Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, first show of 2019. I'm back. We had a, a week and a half off or so uh, for Christmas and New Year's, which obviously left a backlog of uh, of interviews and things. So I uh, had a bit of catching up to do, but it's great to spend a bit of time with my family. And what a great show we've got lined up for you as well for the first interview of the year. I'm speaking to Ronald D. Morgan, who's a, a great guy, a really inspiring guy. Um, my wife was actually taught by him uh, travel and tourism years ago, obviously. And uh, she noticed that he'd had a book out and uh, she got in touch with me. I got in touch with him. And within two weeks of us chatting, less than that, we, we had him signed up to do a show. And uh, I'm really grateful for that because it was a really good show too. I think you'll appreciate the interview you're about to listen to. And in the time, in the meantime, while I've been kind of having a break, I've been trying to stay away from the podcast. You got to kind of keep your mind fresh. But I've been beavering away at kind of new logos and designs and things for the show because the I found the design that I had for the original logo was very rushed. I put so much effort into the content for the show, but the logo kind kind of came secondary, and that's 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 kind of silly, really, because. Uh, it's our identity, and I wanted something a bit more mature. So the new logos are up and running now. I think you'll appreciate them. And um, they look really good on pictures that people kind of send in for for the... Uh, as you noticed, every episode's got its own little backdrop, its own little um, its own little like title cover. Um, so if you send in a picture, you can send it into our email, uh, which is shrewsburybiscuitpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just fire up Facebook and send it me in my inbox. And I'll get it from there. But um, yeah, if you want to be part of the show, then definitely send us a picture. Um, also as well, uh, I always try and get, encourage people to send in messages and any events or any things you got lined up. Like, for example, um, I've spoke to uh, Jill Bennett from um, SLAP, S-L-A-P, SLAP, which is uh, the Shrewsbury Litter Action Project. I spoke to her yesterday. Uh, great person. <laughs> they started off this... Um, it's a great project where they, they go around street by street um, cleaning up litter from around Shrewsbury. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big problem, obviously, and they do what they can to to make the town look a lot better. And they've got a Facebook page there. Um, you can find it. Um, I encourage people to go and look at it because they, they organise meets. They meet up um, and they they go and um, go on huge litter picks and get what clear up what they can in fact they've got one on um the 19th of january actually just looking on their facebook page everybody's meeting at the front of matalan at 2 p.m for a little pick of york road area um so if you are want to go and help out volunteer kind of you know do your bit for the town go home and feel great about yourself then turn up at matalan two o'clock There'll be a group of people there. Bring your own litter pickers if you can. I think they've got they have got a small selection of litter pickers and things. But if you do have something that you can bring, that'd be great. Um, so yeah, get involved with these people because they do great, great things. Uh, well done, Jill, uh, for 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 this. And uh, I saw obviously there's a guy called Daniel Roberts. He's got a a canoe, but they, he does the rivers. He has the maritime duty. Um, he does a great job too. He has a, he's got like pictures of his boat pulled up on the side while the the litter he's pulled out the river. So these guys do a great job. So if you want your kind of messages read out like this on the show, uh, just to try and uh, raise a bit of awareness, just just fire them in to me um, and uh, I'll get them read out. Good luck, Jill. I hope to uh, join you at some point. I think it's, uh, it's a, a great project.
and uh, good luck to it. Anyway, guys, on with the interview. This is a great interview. I really enjoyed it. Um, Ron is um, a great, great guy, and um, he's he's so happy about what we're doing with the show. Really encouraged me to kind of push forward with it, and he's even offered to help out in the future with the, with little bits we're going to do as well. I got a, I got an idea for a feature that I want to bring to the show, and uh, I think Ron or somebody that's a tour guide can definitely help me with that. So. On with the show, and uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Hey, have you ever wondered what makes Shrewsbury such a great town? I think about it all the time. That's why I decided to create the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast, a place where we can sit and talk to people from all walks of life, listen to stories about what makes this town such a great place to live. We are going to be talking to authors and historians, artists and musicians, entrepreneurs, and people that have got great stories to tell about this town. Welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. So, Ron, thank you very much for, for joining me on the Shrewsbury Biscuit. Um, it's a real honour. Not only is it a, a great honour to have a, a great writer and creator, uh, but you've you've had a lot to do with Shrewsbury. I've, I was looking at, you know, the readout from Amazon, uh, as, as well as what my wife was telling me about, you know, she used to teach travel and tourism. Indeed. Um, and what, what's the green the green badge, that, the green... It's a, basically a tour guide uh, award that you you have to achieve really to uh, to guide in usually in towns. Yeah, um, the green badge is there, and if you get the blue badge, you can do it pretty well nationwide, uh, wow. as it were. Um, and many people, you know, we've had some fabulous blue badge guides, and have got some in the town now. But most green try to attain green badge. You can guide without that. Yeah. Um, but but you still have to you know have some sort of education on the town and the two. Oh, of course, you can't be like this building over here is uh, used to be a used to be a spa. Now it's <laughs> you got to exactly, know the history. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and also I think guiding is it's not just all facts and figures. I always like to think of it, it's anecdotal too. I think people mm. love to hear the anecdotes rather than the the actual facts and figures. Sometimes I was walking back from it was actually my interview at the Ark, and um, I was walking and there was a guy with a big top hat on. And he was by uh, Mary South Water Lane, mm-hmm. and he was doing a tour guide, and everybody just looked so like enthralled in what was going on. It was amazing. I had to walk around them. I didn't want to disturb what they were looking at, but they looked just so amazed at what was they were. It's seeing. great when folks do get in costume as well. I mean, it, yeah. obviously around Halloween in particular, many yeah. many do as well. But you know, others do do it for the likes of the Christmas Carol tours and Darwin tours and what have you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, thank you. Like I said, thank you for coming on the show. Um, My pleasure. So you are Ronald D. Morgan, um, and I brought you on here because um, my wife, uh, she says to me, oh, you're always looking for people. My old travel and tourism teacher, um, teacher from travel and tourism, has released a book. Um, and she showed me the book. I was like, wow, I need to get this guy on the show. I lo- you know, the, the the audience are starting to get used to the fact that I, lo- I love talking to creators and people with a creative mind. So thank you very much. At short notice as well. You know, it was only like a week ago I spoke to you. Yeah, no worries. Um, so tell us a bit about yourself. Like, you know, are you are you from Shrewsbury originally? Did you In- grow up here? Indeed, I am Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury, depending which way you want to go, <laughs> born and bred. Um, so- I love the town. I, I've w- lived and worked away in the States and Canada and various other places, but... 
I think like a lot of people, you're polarized back to this place. Yeah. Uh, it really is a wonderful place uh, to live. I, I love this place. Uh, I'm not from Shrewsbury originally. I, I kind of grew up, grew up, grew up, grew up here, there and everywhere, kind of uh, North Wales and around Midlands and stuff. I moved here last August. And the reason why I did this show is because I fell so hard in love with the place. I really wanted to just find out why. What is it that's drawing me here and everyone else? So that's nice to hear. That's nice to hear. Yeah, it's great to have you here, for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what was it like living in the States? And then did you, did you miss the place when you were over there? Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I, again, it was one of those things where I used to run, I've mostly worked in travel all my life. That's my background. Yeah. You know, running uh, travel companies, running tour companies, being a tour manager and what have you. And I'd actually been to take a, a, the very first travel and tourism course ever in the United Kingdom, which was in, in 1977. Wow. Uh, there was one in uh, St. Austell, which is where I took it, in Cornwall. And there was one in Bournemouth, and I chose St. Austell. And I'm, the reason I'm telling you that is, following that, I wrote, um, uh, or created, should I say, an itinerary, or it was a project called The Great North American Experience. And wow. I entered it in the competition, which was world, uh, nationwide, and it came third. Um, but that's sort of an irrelevance to it, really. I used that as the template to go to the States. I thought, you know, I'll put it into practice. So with a group of friends, I went to the States. And in fact, I was on one of the first flights ever by Freddie Laker, who was really the, uh, you know, the forerunner of all the cheap flights today, you know, yeah. who, uh, you know, and it was uh, originally it was going to be supposedly no food or uh, on the plane, but he, he did sort of feed us on the plane going over. So we went over in 77 and what a time we had. Yeah. You know, we just stayed over there till the money ran out. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, And I fell in love with it. So then, uh, and I'm, I'd met various folks um, at the time, so I went back and uh, lived there in uh, uh, the end of the 70s. Whereabouts in the States were you? Uh, we lived in North Carolina. Oh, right, okay. Um, but uh, And I was back and forth there. I lived in Ottawa in Canada. Went oh, to work up in... Uh, Carolina, in my wife, she, she lived there for a bit. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. And it's a super place, Ottawa is, albeit um, you know, a government city, if you like. you know. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, polarized back to North Carolina, went back and forth. I came back and worked here a while, then went back there uh, with my then wife and and uh, first son, Peter. And um, we went back and moved, uh, worked there. And it was fortuitous, really. I'd, on one of the times I was reconfirming a flight, the lady said to me, oh, if you ever want a job, pop and see me. And so when I went back the second time, I said, you know, you mentioned this to me, Jean, how about you know, is there any job going? <laughs> anyway, long story short, I became the the manager of that company and and enjoyed the time there. Wow! And it was a lovely experience. And you learned a lot about um, American life and culture, which and and also the fact that we're definitely, as I think it was Oscar Wilde said, we're two countries divided by a common language. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I've got I've got a lot of American friends that work with the shows that I work with and. One of the most recent uh, kind of arguments I had with one of my co-hosts from my other show was, um, he goes, I'm going to go and get some tea. And I was like, okay, I was, I was expecting to wait a good five, ten minutes. Comes back with this bottle, shaking it. And he's like, this is iced tea. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you say you're going to go for a cup of tea, you've put the kettle on. And he's like, no, 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 iced tea, iced tea, always iced tea. And then, oh. oh. You can get yourself in trouble in different in different countries, you know, <laughs> with, you, with translations. You think of, you know, if you're trying to speak German or Spanish or whatever, but I didn't realise how much trouble I could get myself in the States even as well. But um, just minor, th th there were some things I won't mention on here, but, um, <laughs> you know, things like, uh, you know, I'd say to a client over the telephone, you know, I say, okay, I'll uh, pop your tickets in the post. That meant absolutely nothing to them. 
they thought that was some weird thing from this British speaking guy, you know, and I should have just said, as I realized straight away, was I'll mail it to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my little boy, he watches a lot of YouTube. Um, he loves his tablet. And he doesn't overdo it, but he watches um, a show called Ryan's Toy Review. Um, it's like a huge little, it's like, it's a little kid that plays with toys. Sure. And uh, he watches it a lot. And I was in a, I was in a shop the other day. Well, it was around Christmas, actually. He's like, Dad, I want to go and buy some candy. I was like, son, there's no candy in this store. <laughs> we can give us some sweets if you like. Yeah, so I can see how that can affect but, you. But even now, Americanisms have slipped into my language. You know, when you've lived yeah. there on and off yeah. for, a, for a few years, you can't, can't help it, you know. But what I will say about America is they are obsessed with our traditions and our history. Oh, they love it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the, the exact reason why, another one of the reasons why I want to do this show. I, from another show I worked on, I went and did an episode at the Dana. And stayed there overnight, took okay. my equipment and sat and recorded. And a lot of my American audience was like, Oh my God, I'd love to go to Shrewsbury just to see the prison. And I was just like, Wow, if we could reach people, I mean, we have got listeners in America and Canada, if we could reach people there and entice them to come spend you know, some time in Shrewsbury, what a great way to do it, you know? Absolutely. Well, they love all our history, but a medieval market town like Shrewsbury, fantastic, isn't it? And then with the added aspect of Darwin, and, you know, that, yeah. it's beautiful here as well. So you did uh, travel and tourism. How long? How long did you do that for? But also, you came. You were in America, and then you came back. Did you go straight into straight, straight back into travel? Because I, I left when I left school. I actually, well, actually, I didn't even tell my parents I'd left school. Um, I actually went and uh, decided I wanted to get a job, and I went to to um, the local uh, youth employment exchange. And very, very long story short, I got offered a job in a travel agent and took it. And I'd been working a week before my parents found out <laughs> that I wasn't going to school. Um, so that's how I started way back at the uh, beginning of the 70s, uh, end of the yeah. 60s, beginning of the 70s. And um, from then I, I sort of worked and, and really um, I kept on taking tours or running tours for 44 years. Yeah, oh, that's really, really, really good. Um, how long were you were you teaching for then? Uh, I actually started almost by accident again because this is before the time when people insist or the the government or education authority insisted on getting a, all the qualifications of PGCE. I was yeah. what they called a vocational lecturer. In other words, I'd come from a certain industry, in my case, travel. You had uh, enough knowledge just exactly, to get on with it. Exactly, yeah. And, and, you know, whilst the guys who got all the academic qualifications it could, were good teachers – they didn't perhaps have the background. They were they took everything from a textbook, perhaps factor, yeah. which is great. They did a good job, but I brought real life experience to it. Yeah, and that's that's, that's that one. You know, so I was perhaps you know lacking on the teaching skill side, and but strong on the industry side, yeah. and, and the vice versa for the the teachers there. But then it came to uh, actually, I, I took my PGCE exams quite late because uh, the government insisted on it in in uh, in, in uh, about two thousand four, two thousand five, something like that. And so I got my PGCE then. Wow, that's really yeah. good though. It's good that you you managed to go get along for for so long, um, just with, the, with your history and, and you know your knowledge of what you've done from traveling. That's really really yeah. inspiring. Um, how did how did how did the book happen? What, what happened there? Well, for for years, I like I think when we've spoken before, do you, you want? I think all of us have got a book in us. Yeah, you've got some idea Absolutely. or something you want to put down or whatever. And and I would say to anybody, don't be frightened about it. Put it down. Write it. You yeah. know, um, if nothing else, it'll get something out of your system. And that's sort of uh, how it came about. But. I was really galvanized to do it because I was diagnosed with um, palliative care uh, only cancer about uh, in 2015. 
And nice. um, at that stage, I thought to myself, you know, you're going through the operations and chemotherapy and various things. And I think to myself, do you know, I've always wanted to write this book. Who knows how long I've got to write it? Yeah, I'll well. start. So that was really, you know, the... the so you could leave tip, your mark and point. leave something. Well, at least leave something or get something out of my system, as it were. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I've been blessed that, you know, three years, three and a half years on, I'm still still kicking, as it were. And, That's and, fantastic. And, Every and, day is a gift. Yeah, exactly. And it's fantastic. I love it. And, and in fact, I've got so many other projects on the go, literary and otherwise. It's, it's, it's good. You, live, you certainly live life to the full when you're told something like that. Fantastic. I mean... I'm really sorry to hear that, but I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's got, your, it's got your mind going, it's got your cognitive process kind of buzzing about. Um, so, so how long ago? How long ago did you come up with the concept for this movie, this uh, this book? Um, well, strangely, the initial concept wasn't this one. I and this is the funny thing about I found about writing is you start going down one lane, you know, one road, and all of a sudden you take you branch off. Yeah. Um, and it's a really interesting experience, and I loved it. And um, so I, I've always been interested in the Second World War and, and that sort of era, um, you know, the 30s up to the 40s and then into the 50s. I mean, I was born in the in the early part of the 50s, so, you know, that tells you a story. There's still I, a lot I, of that good knocking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. dare I say it, there were still uh, rationing books around when I was born. And... Um, you know, with that in mind, you, you can't help but feel the austerity that came out of the Second World War, yet the relief that came out of the Second World War as well. Yeah. So I suppose that influenced me and things that my mother and father told me and grandparents told me. And it's from amazing stories. Like I mean, some of the stories that you can hear, like the, of bravery and, and battle, and like like in your book of, of of absolute survival and survival in some of the parts of your book, like with the the, um, the camps in in that they were moved the, the ladies were moved to um where did you did you research these stories or did these oh absolutely yeah. i mean you spend a long time researching and um if anything that's probably a strength of mine i love doing the research and the analysis and it's when you have to put it down on paper the tricky stuff comes because you've got to develop a essentially a fictional story that's based on fact yeah. Um, so I've tried to be obviously as as close to the truth with everything that I've told, but the characters are fictional. Oh, that's that's, that's amazing because I I got one of my questions down here was uh, like, is this completely fictional? Because it's quite believable. It was very believable. It was brilliant how you did that because um, I, I I was thinking, well, maybe he's based this on sort of past experiences, but kind of made a few bits up. I didn't know, and that's really good. No, you you tend to, as I say, you research, you read a lot, and yeah, what have you. But yeah. I also interviewed. Uh, XPOWs. Oh right, okay. That's really um, you know. And bear in mind, these folks now were in their eighties and nineties, yeah. and some of the tales they told me were very harrowing. Mm. Um, and also, I think you know, going back, I think one of the triggers for me in my subconscious was my uncle Harry was was a POW as well, and he was a big guy, but he was very quiet and never really told you much. And and my auntie always used to say to me. You know, he doesn't like to talk much a lot about the war, and we hear this all the time. Hmm. Um, so I picked up stories from other people. Um, but interviewing the, the POWs for the book was, well, I, I had me in tears sometimes, I have to tell you. Yeah, we interviewed um, Simon Bell um, on, on my first episode, and he, he his, a, lot, a lot of his works were, you know, from um, Auschwitz and POW. Kind of, mm -hmm. He was saying that, you know, there's a, a great responsibility to try and relay these messages 
over and over again until people kind of learn their lesson because it's kind of something that always kind of repeats itself, you know, it's rhetoric of sure. and things like that. So I think you did that brilliantly um, in the book. I mean, I am 25% way, way for the book. I'm going to carry on reading it. I'm oh, really well enjoying done. it. Um, when you were, what were you like as a, as a, as a youngster? When growing up, what were you like? It was all about sport for me, really. Yeah. I, I, I love my sport, whatever it was. I wouldn't say I was particularly brilliant at anything, but, <laughs> but, but I was, you know, I love my football and cricket and whatever it was. And when we moved to the States, of course, you, as we, uh, obviously I was older then, but you, you got into basketball and, you know, American football and all their sports as well and ice hockey and all that stuff. I upset a bunch of Americans this week, actually. I, um, I, I started talking to these, um, they're like a sports company in in America called Schven Sports, and uh, I was talking to the owner of that, and uh, I was saying to him, uh, "I don't like calling it American football. I call it American hand egg, <laughs> <laughs> because number one, we've got the football because we pro- prom- prominently um, use our feet. Uh, it's it's an egg, <laughs> and you use your hand, so it's American hand egg. And he was like, uh, "Yeah, if you're going to be part of this group, you can't see that." <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> um, so you grew up, you grew up in Shrewsbury, then, yeah. Indeed, I did. Yeah, yeah I went to the Wakeman School as a yeah. gra- grammar school. At the time, it was a grammar school yeah. anyway, uh, and I loved it. I loved all the people I was with, the teachers, and and at the end of the day, you know, they they really set set you on your path, don't they, education wise, and, yeah. and, and uh, you know, some teachers because of the subjects normally are better than others. Um, you know, from how they impact on your on your life. History, needless to say, my history teacher, Miss Picking, yeah. at the time, just left a lasting sort of uh, impression on it's me. It's amazing how certain teachers can do that. I had a, I had a teacher called Mr. Fletcher, who's a, a great geography teacher, and uh, he he did that for me as well. So it's amazing how you can pick one teacher out there that can kind of inspire. Oh, definitely, you to yeah. Get... I mean, lots were very helpful and very formative as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Um, but but Miss Picking, she just had a different way of teaching. Really, she used this book called Ten Sixty Six and all that, which basically was a you know quite a relaxed way of looking at history. You mentioned that in the book, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, and it engages you. You know, and once you're engaged, people learn. But it's like you said earlier, it's about sometimes it's more about the knowledge and knowing how people tick mm-hmm. and how you can kind of inspire rather than, you know, it's not always out of a textbook. It's this kind of your mm-hmm. mannerisms and how you speak to people and inspire and, you know, and that, that's really, it's really important. No, that's exactly right. So, so education obviously is important, but then I, I came straight out to work rather than go to uni. Um, so, uh, you know, with that in mind, you just crack on. That's where I've spent most of my life in the travel industry. But sport's always been a theme going back to that mm. through, through my life. I love my football, my cricket. I played at a reasonable level and, um, and running came yeah. into it late, later on in life. You know, I got into, in, in the States, actually, I got into running, um, you know, the, the, I am writing autobiography at the moment and I go into a lot, lot of this in detail. Uh, oh, fantastic. Um, you know, hopefully the anecdotes are amusing and funny. They're not just, I did this, I did that. <laughs> um, but but the running is really took off in the States. And then when I came back here, I wanted to run. But I found in the States and Canada, Canada in particular, I, I used to belong to a club called the Sunset Striders. There was nothing like that in the UK when I came back here at the end of the 70s, mm. uh, beginning of the 80s, rather. Um, so I started a club um, with a bunch of other friends, um, uh, myself and my good lady at the time, Wendy, uh, formed the Shropshire Shufflers, and uh, that started in 1981. We were the founder members, along with uh, Keith and Chris Iverson and, and Steve Wellington. We were the first five there, and God, 
haven't they taken that club on today? It's a phenomenal club now. Really? I've never heard of it. Forgive yeah. me. For yeah. It. Oh, Shropshire Shufflers. I tell you, those guys <laughs> are so important in the, in the development. And um, uh, at the time when I came back, all the clubs were elite. You know, in other words, the very good runners were out there. You never saw anybody on the streets running. Not not running just to keep themselves trim, no. but more professional. Exactly. Kind of, yeah. And ladies, it was a bit trickier for as well. Now you see loads of groups of them, mate. Especially up here on Bellevue, you see them all running up and down. I'll be driving to work and then I'll see this cloud of um, luminescent yellow and orange, you know, coming billowing down towards me. It's quite good. It's nice to see. It's great. I feel like if I was going to go run it, I don't know. Sometimes I think I like to just get my head down and get on with it. I used to do a lot of running. I mean, before you know, I put all my timber on, I used to do a lot of running. But sometimes get my head down and, and get on with it. But sometimes the motivation, inspiration is great to have a, a team around you. So I, oh, can, yeah. I can see that. I can see the qualities absolutely yeah. because it becomes uh, obviously it helps you sort of have a modicum of fitness. But it actually is all about camaraderie. It's a, it's the social yeah. aspect as yeah. much as much as the fitness. Yeah, and you know, people egging you on. Come on, you can do it exactly. You and, you, and you can be. You don't have to be. Any great ability, um, it's it's the old story of you. You can get off the couch and not be a couch potato anymore, to use the Americanism. Yeah, I was actually, actually, do you know what? I was driving to work last night and I was going down Abbey Fourgate and there were some runners there. And there was like, um, there was the, the group that are kind of jogging together. And then there was these two young lads that were just bombing it down the road. And I was like, I'd be the guys behind there. <laughs> We'd be further back, actually. You know, so. Well, the sad thing is now I get to that stage. I am the one further back if I go out at all. Yeah. But, but, well, it, but hey, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, it never has. You, go, you get out there, you get some fresh air and you get to do something rather than sitting around and not doing a lot. <laughs> um, so how, when you decided to write this book, um, what was the process? Did you did you think, right, let's get on with this? Did it take you years to pick this up or did it, it was a very instant kind of, you know? I, th- I think because I, it was very time sensitive yeah, because, because of my uh, health condition, I, I think, right, I'm going to start writing and I put that first sort of pen to paper, as it were, or or finger to keyboard, whichever yeah. way you want to look at it. Um, but then really, I, I slowed up a little bit, thinking I've got to bring some more research and structure yeah. to this. Because I, I was a novice. I'd never written a book before in my mm. life. And, and I have to say, as I allude to in, in the acknowledgements in the book, I had some great help from a, um, a novelist in, in Australia. Um, you know, the book acknowledgement tells a little bit about that. My autobiography tells more. But... It was more about somebody encouraged me to do it. Get down there, write a book. Yeah, I'd done a couple of creative writing classes in the past, as many yeah. people do. Um, but to be honest, that was enjoyable without being as instructive as it, as it could be. Uh, I did learn some things, I'm sure. Okay, guys. So just imagine, you've dimmed the lights. You're getting ready to get toasty. You're about to light the fire. There's a nice warm feeling inside. You're excited. The fire's about to go on. You look around for kindling. And you've got none. Oh, great. Well done. You forgot to go and buy kindling. Well, do you know what? I've got a solution for you. If you're in the Old Brighton area, if you hail from that area and you listen to my show, first of all, thank you. Second of all, I've got a solution. R&C Kindling. Uh, it's a friend of mine. Sells kindling. He's doing a great job. I thought I'd give him a shout out on the show. Uh, they sell small bags and large bags of kindling, and they got great prices. And if you have a look on their Facebook, you'll see they've got lots of great reviews. So, back to the fire. 
you listen to Alex on the Shrewsbury Biscuit, you went to get kindling from RNC Kindling. And now you can relax by the fire. <laughs> Check them out, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Um, but once you start writing, you're off and running. You have to have a discipline. Uh, and that's something I learned pretty early, that you've got to decide that you're going to write every day at certain times that suit you and get on with it. No excuses. No matter yeah. how you feel, no matter what else is on, you've got to do it. And uh, I told you about... Um, I've got uh, I've got I've got a summary for a book upstairs. I found it uh, rolled up in an old folder actually in one of the back of my drawers. It was a project I picked up before I started doing the podcasting, and and that was the well, one thing I couldn't I couldn't manage to do. You know, if there was match of the day on and I really wanted to watch the football, I couldn't sit there and write. Um, and yeah, it takes a lot, I imagine. You know, on the nice Sundays when you can just go out for a stroll. You know, yeah, it's tricky. But there again, I think you you decide what you want in your life, yeah. how your life's normally structured, and bear in mind. Because of the illness and, and retiring because of the illness and what have you, I had that time. But you still structure yourself. Like in my case, I'd write every day, Monday to Thursday. I'd uh, get up in the morning. My re- regimen would sort of be get up in the morning, uh, have some breakfast, check my emails, a bit of social media or whatever. Then at nine o'clock, I was writing. Wow. And I some I'd obviously have breaks because you can't just sit at the computer all the time, but short breaks. So nine till 12, I'd write take a break for an hour or two, perhaps even have a walk. Um, at two o'clock till five, I'd write for those four days. Any other days were a bonus, but those four days I've made myself work. Yeah. Um, Friday, I usually worked as well, but Saturday and Sunday were sacrosanct for spending some time with you know family. Recharging the batteries. and Especially sport, whether it's watching yeah. my beloved Shrewsbury Town or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I mean, you got to do that. You can't. You can't just be beaver away at it and expect you know great things. You got to be able to go out there and live life as well. Sure. Um, how is the book doing? Uh, when was it actually first? When was it released? When was it just it? the end of November? The end of November. Yeah, so it's been released just over a month, hasn't it? Month, month, six weeks. And how's it doing? Is it doing okay? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it, it was never released as a as a commercial uh, entity, uh, as it were, a pro- as a project to uh, earn money. It was always there just to get it out of the system. Mm. But it's a bug now. I have to write <laughs> more and more and other things, you know. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, it just seems to be flowing flowing along there. You know, I think we're in the three figures as far as sales are concerned. So that's good. I mean, nice. to have to have a few, just a few people listen to my podcast or a few people read your book, it feels good. You know, you've made something that's brought joy to someone's life. Um, I really appreciate that. Um, Thank you. And. Your what was it like um, researching the geography of places? Because I mean, oh, I was reading the bits where you what you describe in Shrewsbury, and it made me smile. You know, when you talk about um, the, the bus station in Raven Meadows and the, the Shropshire Cricket Club. That's a, an acknowledgement, I guess, mm-hmm. to your, your love of cricket. Um, so that was kind of must have been kind of easy for you. Um, yeah, it was. It was something I was more comfortable with because I've yeah. lived here a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. When, when there's bits in the book where you go to Wales and things like that, are they places that you remembered? Or just, yeah, yeah, some places like the places I've used in in Wales, I've lived and worked there. Yeah. You know, I used to run some agencies out on the Welsh coast. Uh, oh yes, of course. You know, yes. uh, so that was that. But most of the other places, well, all the other places in the book I've been to. Yeah. 
um, not just once, probably more than that, because that was my job. Fond memories. And you know, so, uh, and I was always quite good at chronicling. I always wrote a report to myself because it helped everybody else in the travel agents oh, right, learn okay. about the resort so they could tell other people if they, even if they haven't been. Oh, right, okay, yeah. that's brilliant. So essentially it was like a little prompt sheet all the time to remind me of what was there. Oh, that's really, really good. Um, have you got any more? Uh, you say you want to you write more and you're doing your autobiography. Well, I want to finish the autobiography because yeah. that's personal and, and uh, you yeah. know, if it's only for the children, what have you. Although I, it's very much based on the travel and very anecdotal and hopefully it'll be quite amusing. It isn't just about the beautiful mountains and the lovely ocean and one thing <laughs> or another. There's things that happen there that will hopefully make people, you know, smile. Perhaps it will surprise some people, one of the two the things that happened. Um, but beyond that, um, I'm writing a bio, uh, researching for a biography at yeah. the moment of a lady who was um, an SOE member, Special Operations Executive uh, member. Fantastic. Uh, she worked in decryptology in, in Cairo. Wow. Um, uh, an area that a lot of people don't think of, but we had SOE uh, unit uh, there. Um, well, I say unit um, decryptology decryptography area there because they had to deal with all our agents that were going into the Balkans yeah so Greece and Albania and Yugoslavia had a lot to do with Tito a lot to do with Crete of course which was a big big problem for us at time um so that was quite or is very interesting actually doing that and uh, it's a long story of how I came across that I was researching for a second novel when I came across this lady um uh, but that that that's quite interesting to do. I'm looking forward to that. I've actually written a children's book too. Yeah, what's that? Um, I hope it's going to be the first of a series of them. And this is uh, I've called them uh, sort of Dennis and Roy stories, which essentially uh, is based in the 1930s in a Welsh mountain village. Wow. Um, and the first book is called A Christmas Miracle, and it's just been illustrated at the moment. So um, obviously the target time is going to be later in the year for for Christmas this year. Oh, brilliant. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. Read it to my little boy. There I'm sure you he'll like that. <laughs> um, I guess it's part. It's also a part of the re- the research. Is, is also part of the re- reward, finding these amazing stories, you know, because I find that when I'm looking for things um, for the show and things, I'll start reading and I'll start reading more and I'll read more and then I'll get more and more into it and you get you get kind of obsessed with kind of finding more little bits out. And your st- your book is full of so many great little moments um there was there was the part in singapore when they were rushing towards the evacuation ship mm-hmm. and you talk about it's like bombs dropping and there's cars sinking in the water and there's panic and i was just picturing myself that it reminded me actually of um that movie dunkirk indeed you know, yeah that's very much what, what it reminded me of and that's brilliant and then you you talk about the i don't want to spoil the book guys but there's just some amazing bits on there i think you know um the the, the pow camps especially really go <laughs> God, you know the way you describe it is mm. is quite gut wrenching, um, but in a good way. You know, you did it. Yeah, it's. I mean, these people had no choice but to live the life they did and survive, or, yeah. or as many of their colleagues didn't survive, as it were. So they had a story to tell afterwards, much yeah. like the Holocaust survivors that you've mentioned yeah. before. You yeah. know, um, and I think it's important. Although this is fiction, it's very much based on fact, and it's a story that actually yeah. happens that the Japanese inv- invariably deny today, a bit like the Holocaust deniers. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so th- that's part of the moral of the story, really, that, 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 you know, check out what's in here because this really happened. Yeah, don't don't believe the naysayers because, you know, it's history. Um, what advice would you give to any kind of aspiring writers? We just talked about this before we started recording. Um, 
Yeah, I think the critical thing is don't think you can't do it. Yeah. I, I think we all lack confidence. You know, we pick up the novels that we enjoy reading, you know, whoever it might be, you know, which whoever your favourite novelist is and think, oh, I couldn't write like that. Well, nobody's necessarily asking you to write like that. You've got your own identity. If you've got a story, start writing it. And the first thing to do, I think, is just write a framework of how you'd like the book to go. Yeah. What you think would be in it. Trust me, it'll change. <laughs> but you start with that. Um, and, and get writing, you know. And if it's something where you've got to research, you know, that's fine. If it's a personal story you think you can put down, you can probably just recall it like an autobiography from your mind yeah. and just sort of develop it. But the most critical thing is do do write it and go to a creative writing class if you think that'll help you because there's some good ones around, even in Shrewsbury and Shropshire. Oh, I imagine there's lots in Shrewsbury, uh, yeah. you know, because it's such a creative town. It's just, an, uh, uh, this is what's amazed me about the show. It's just a bottomless pit of amazing creative people. Um, whether it's people that own businesses or uh, like Becky Riddick who paints, uh, or you guys who write and you paint pictures with words. It's just, it's, a, it's an amazing place to be for that. There are some terrific artists around here. Our, our one daughter, um, Kerry, she runs a, an artist studio, as it were. And, you know, she's great, great artist, but now she's bringing it to children. Yeah. And and so it's great what people do, uh, you know, around the county, not just in, in Shrewsbury itself, but around the county too. And it's great that also there's the Shrewsbury Literary Festival each year that's uh, two, three years down the track now. Yeah. I sadly have to say I've never been to it because it always conflicts with Hay Festival, which is a big literary festival. And oh, I've, been okay. going, I've been going to that. But who knows? Maybe this year I can get to the Shrewsbury one. <laughs> We're going to try and get to the literature. I think we just missed it uh, when we when we first started. I, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, but I, I would like to go. Of course I want to get involved with everything that's going on in Shrewsbury. We're going to be... We're going to be covering a lot of the Darwin Festival and uh, as well the, the comic book festival that's coming to Shrewsbury soon as well we're going to be getting involved with all sorts so you know those will be fascinating and you know, it's great to be involved with them it is and you, you know what I mean um people say they don't read books but then they'll pick up a, a comic book and read I mean it's just it's just the same you know you, your mind is still appreciating what it's seeing and somebody's put hard work into drawing those pictures and writing those words and creating the stories um, you got to appreciate the people, and it's the same with the youth of today. Like they'll say, oh, "I don't like reading. I don't read books," but yet they'll sit there scrolling on their phone and reading all these stories yeah, they see on Facebook. You know, absolutely. We all use different mediums to both, both you know, project ourselves, but also to enjoy ourselves with. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why we're all a bit different, aren't we? Yes, yes, we are. That's absolutely true. Um, I've got to ask you as well about um, Dreamcatcher Kids. Uh, I, meant, I just saw this. Um, I was I've got the website here. I was looking at that. What is Dreamcatcher Kids? It's it's a charitable fund for that uh, my wife Diane and myself started in 1995, uh, and it came out of the idea that Diane actually worked uh, and still works in in hospital with children on the pediatric ward, and um, we I guess we saw a, a situation where we children were obviously upset they were in hospital and they were suffering some pretty tough di diseases or yeah. conditions and what have you. And, and, and gradually this sort of um, seed that needed uh, um, water and germinated and, and, and we got this idea of brightening children's lives and the fam children and the family because it's the families that you know struggle with as well as the child when they're ill. Yeah. And uh, initially we, we concentrated and still do on, on those that are chronically ill, so 
you know, I've got a constant problem, um, whether it's cystic fibrosis or whatever, um, uh, but also those that are terminally ill. The great news is we're 23 years down the line and a lot of those that used to be terminally ill and we might lose, we don't know. Things wow. like the leukemia victims and, and uh, victims, not right the word really, but those who, who were diagnosed with leukemia, um, a lot of them now live and live a normal life. I'll give you a great example, actually. Yeah. The very first person we ever um, sponsored, not so much sponsored, but, but uh, used the uh, funds we had in Dreamcatcher Children uh, to brighten the life of, we sent to, um, we were rather ambitious, actually. At the time, we, we owned and ran a travel agency. <laughs> uh, and with that, the, the, the company owned a property in Florida. Wow. So we decided we'd send this family with this young chap, uh, only, only a young boy, um, to Florida to to give them something to look forward that's to. Fantastic. Um, so, so that's what we said we'd do. And then we were told the week before we're not sure whether he could go. He'd still got a line in. He got he got a, a feed a, a nasal feed in. Oh. And so the doc- doctor said, "Well, look, let's put it like this. We'll take it out and we'll see how you go." Um, so he took this nasal feed out. He got on the plane to Orlando. Had a fantastic time. Within a week, he was eating a hamburger <laughs> uh, and having a great time with, with, with Disney in Disney and that. But the real great thing for that is, three four years ago, we got a letter from his family with a picture of him. He was now a Royal Marine. Oh my God, that's now, a- that is a you know not every story goes like that, but that's a typical example. Wow, that's fantastic! I'm speechless. That's amazing. You've done that for that guy. That's yeah. a- well, it was it. It's the joy of seeing their faces and the experiences uh, of them and their families through photographs and videos and, and various things. And, and you know, sometimes it's something very small because we try and help as many as possible. We can't send everybody to Florida. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> um, that. And, and we long since decided that we'll try and help more people rather than do lots of big things. Yeah. Um, so we do anything from helicopter rides to theatre tickets to football tickets to... Football mascots at Shrewsbury. What an amazing to, gesture, gesture to make. Amazing. That's really, really amazing. We love it, but the the real real reward for us is just the the look on their face. Do you, do you raise a lot? Do you, is it active? Do people donate? Yeah. Oh, we, we have quite a lot of regular supporters. That's a great thing, and people who raise money for us, um, you know, on a dedicated basis. The old Bell, for example, did an auction in, in Abbey Forget did an auction for us um, uh, this last year and raised over three thousand pounds for us. Yeah, that's a classic example. But lots of people regularly just give us five pounds. I'll see if I can get you some more. I'm going to read your website out now. I'll see if uh, listeners of the show, if you've got a few quid spare, um, go to uh, com. Uh, nice blue background there. You see some happy kids in a limo there as, as the main picture. Um, and there's a donate button there. So if you go to dreamcatcherchildren.com, chuck a couple of quid, see if you can make a few kids' days a bit better. Well, that's very kind of you. No, no, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's an amazing thing that you do. You, you put the infrastructure in place. It's your idea. And uh, let's see if we can help you uh, help others. You well, know? The, the big thing of that that we do every year, and it's sort of like our flag uh, event, is uh, we do the Dreamcatcher Santa specials on the Welsh Fulham Lamber Railway. Oh, wow. And uh, we started doing that a good number of years ago now, and I think we took about 30 or 40 people, you know, the children, the family members. This year it was 350. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so good. I and mean, I suppose with like the, the, the addition of social media, it's probably helped, hasn't it? I suppose. Oh, that you know? has been the driver. 
social media makes it so much easier to get to people to and to re, and not only that to actually report what a wonderful time they had yeah, and the how pictures, they are yeah, and yeah. It, it, everything sort of develops from there doesn't it are you still in touch with the marine uh, the family we 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 hear from now yeah, and again yeah. that's right it, it's lovely and others i mean obviously the sad stories too some of course, some yeah. don't quite make it but to have been able to give them a, some sort of experience before you know they they left us was 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 great that's an amazing thing, and well done for you. That, that you guys are heroes. Just for that alone, I mean, <laughs> I'm really happy that I got to sit and speak to you. I mean, I really do love this book. I'm going to carry on reading it. Um, I hope it does really well because it really deserves to, guys. It, 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 you can buy the physical copies. Where are the, can you buy them? They, yeah, the physical copies I actually retain myself, so they yeah. can come, come direct to me on on that. And if they want to contact me on my e- email address, I can sort of let them know uh, that, oh, or, um, or through the Dreamcatcher Children page, actually, because we're trying to benefit them too. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. I mean, I bought this on the Kindle. It's easy for me to kind of carry to work and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, don't bring me flowers. I want everybody to try and give it a read because I think I think it, it deserves a good look because it's a really good story. Um, is, have you got anything else that you want to plug? Have you got any like because you got we've got Dreamcatcher and you got the books? Is there anything else that you guys you're involved with that you want to give a shout out? See if people show a bit of interest. Um, I think the, that's a problem. I mean, a lot of our time is taken up with Dreamcatcher. I, I have to I say, imagine, you know, because yeah. obviously it's a voluntary thing, but it takes a lot, mm. lot of doing. Do you have a lot of people involved with that? Then do you? It's just myself and Di, yeah, my yeah. wife that that that. that that operate uh, that, but a lot of people sort of raise money for us yeah. and, and regularly, as I say, uh, donate, you know, and, um, you know, very generously as well, I have to say. Uh, in fact, uh, the very first people who helped to send that guy, the Marine, to um, to Florida, or the Marine as he yeah. is now, <laughs> um, you know, they, they still send us, you know, three figures every year. Fantastic. You That's know, lovely. Uh, and, and they live way away. They live in uh, Luton, down in Bedfordshire. Wow. Pete and Cathy Ashby, you know, and they're, they're fantastic supporters. So we're lucky to have regular supporters like that. That's what, yeah, and that, that's why I love social media. You're saying that the injection of, of interests come from that. Um, I mean, like, it's made of, I'm trying to raise a little bit of money. I'm kind of, I'm doing the opposite of what people do. I'm trying to grow my hair for charity. See, I'm kind of balding. I've got like a bald spot here. So I'm growing my hair for a year and then I'll donate it at the end of the year if uh, anybody wants it. Good man. <laughs> I've raised about £110 so far. But, you know, it's just, it's more to, to at least I've done something. Exactly. Tried, yeah. yeah. And, and that's society, isn't it? As a community, we all, sh- all should work together for the betterment of mankind. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, one thing I like to ask people before we before we end the show is, uh, what does Shrewsbury mean to you? I just love it. It's everything to me. I I, I love walking in the quarry and feeling this place. Um, I love coming down to watch my local football team, Shrewsbury Town, who you know since nineteen sixty two. Um, you know, I've seen the ups and downs of, of watching that football club, and if they lose, like even though they lost in the Checker Trade Trophy last night, it still upsets me. <laughs> it's, it's sad I know as my good lady says but so football's a, a big thing there but the town itself I just love the people in it I love the whole fabric of it the buildings we've got we are so lucky to live in a town like Shrewsbury I I feel I feel I feel so lucky to live here I mean this is one of the things with this place is you know, my wife has got family here and 
You know, I used to come here a lot and I used to be like, let's move to Shrewsbury, let's move to Shrewsbury. It just never happened. We just kept saying it and saying it and saying it. And one one year, we were just like, right, we're doing it. We're, we're doing it. And we did. We gathered up all our stuff and we moved here. So we're here to stay. Here to stay. Um, guys, this is Ronald D. Morgan. Um, for, he wrote the book, Don't Bring Me Flowers. Uh, I want everybody to try and check it out. Um, have a look at Dreamcatcher um, website. Um Thank you so much for joining me. It's been really, really nice just sitting talking to you. Um, and I, I wish, the, I hope the book does really well. Well, thank you for yeah. the opportunity, Alex. And yeah. uh, and good luck with your uh, charity fundraising yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, I, I walk around, people yeah. like, your hair looks strange. And I'm like, yes, I know. Yes, I know. <laughs> and for these top podcasts, I've enjoyed listening to some of the others and learning a lot about different people in oh, our, thank in you our society. Much. Thank you. It's a, it's a passion of mine. It's going to grow and hopefully, uh, you know, people enjoy it. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you.